Recording from Undercity Comics in Uptown Whittier, this is the Waffle Press Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Waffle Press Movie Podcast. I am your host, Diego Crespo. With me today, I have uh, two very, very special guests along with our regular panel of uh, fantastically nerdy cohorts see kirk i told you we're not special anymore <laughs> no god no i don't even who are you <laughs> what, renee what's this guy doing here i don't know you invited him <laughs> okay i did i did i don't know it's kind of like a homeless person hey man i get a paycheck so it's fine <laughs> so this is uh gina verso nicholas valero kirk renee and with us we have today uh is Rob Meyer Burnett from Collider Movie Heroes and director of uh, Free Enterprise, and Joshua Melville, author and screenwriter and sci-fi fan. And uh, thank you guys for joining us. Um, I met you guys at Comic Con this year, and uh, was it that was my first time going, and um, you made it one of the best. So thank you for joining us, guys. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having. It was my first Comic Con also, and I was only there because Rob made me go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm hard on Josh. I, you know, when I don't have him trussed up in a bunch of BDSM wear. You know, I got him out of the house. Right. Yeah. Then we weren't going to talk about that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's okay. That's. I let his wife do that. I'm kidding. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> but uh, how you guys doing? Doing good, doing good. Basking in the glow of seeing another uh, new Star Wars film on the big screen, which is always a good thing. Basking. Yeah. Uh, have you got, did you guys, uh, how many times have you seen it so far? I've only seen it once because once? I, had, you know, I had, I had my kids with me and, uh-huh. you know, I plan to see it again next week. Cool. Yeah, I've only seen it once, basically because all the screens I would see it on are sold out through the weekend. Ah. Oh, yeah. Although I saw it at two o'clock this morning. Oh wow! I didn't. Wow. Okay. Wait, uh, yeah, I know. On opening night, uh, my brother went at five a.m. Jeez, just so that we can go yeah. see it. And apparently, that was like the only sh- open showing that he wanted to go see the movie. Th- <laughs> so. yeah. Oh my me god! Me and uh, me and Diego here have seen it twice already. Yeah. yeah. So I know <laughs> it's uh, it's better the second time. Yeah, I, I think so. And uh, quick uh, shout out to Real Film Chatter for hooking us up with those uh, early tickets. Right. Uh, thank you, Patrick. Sorry, can't be there to help you move today. <laughs> right. So cool. Yeah, yeah, everyone. You know, we all loved Rogue One. I'm sure you guys did. Did um, we? Wait, hang on. Okay. <laughs> did I haven't asked everyone at the panel over here if they liked Rogue One? It's fucking okay. garbage, dude. Yeah. It was terrible. <laughs> it was okay, terrible. so I was talking to you about it yesterday. I know you're lying. <laughs> no, I love that movie, dude. That movie was yeah. awesome. Last fifty, which are best fifteen minutes of like Star Wars, yeah, at the very end, yeah, like the best fifteen minutes. Right. That's a bold statement, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> uh, Kirk, did you have any thoughts on it? It was a tragedy, literally, because yeah, of what no. happened. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll do our full reactions uh, later in the episode. But uh, Rob, Josh, did you get uh, what are your quick thoughts on it? I give it a solid B. Yeah. Okay. I think I think that as a um, it tickled all the Star Wars funny bones. I think I'll give it an A for Star Wars fan service uh-huh. and giving iconography that we want. But as a movie, I'll give it a B because I felt that it uh, it had very thin characterizations and I had a lot of problems with the the meandering nature of the first half of the film. Right, and I thought that. Mm-hmm. Cut out. 
Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, hold up for one sec. Yeah. Uh, Fix it in post. Robert, are you still here there? Yeah, did I did I fall out? Yeah, yeah. you fell yeah. out. That's okay. Um, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll edit this. Uh, you know, fix it in post. Uh, if you want to just uh, just come back from uh, your last thought you had there. Well, I, 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 my, my, I don't know what you heard. Uh, uh, which one, uh, Miranda? I would say this. I, I would say that I thought that the the, the the film is a Star Wars film. It was definitely an A as far as iconography and fan service goes, but as a movie, it's a B. Because I thought the, the the characterizations were thin, and the men on the mission aspect of the film was a bit lacking, especially considering that such uh, such a plot is a is a long-standing staple of Hollywood cinema, and it's been done much better in other films that could have been a template uh, to look at for the screenwriters. But the film was made by committee. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I'm sure you know and they I, had a, I, uh-huh, a lot of mandates. I gave it an A minus. Okay. Um, I think there were some definite, from a story point of view, there were some definite structural problems, especially in the beginning, but it made up for them in the end. Mm-hmm. And with such a fantastic climax and a jaw-dropping last shot, um, I, I found myself willing to forgive uh, some of its flaws. Okay. Cool, yeah. cool. That's fair. Uh, and later in the episode, when we all talk about it, that will be spoiler reactions across the board yeah mm-hmm. uh, and we'll note when we're going to get into that for right. everyone listening we will yeah we will talk spoilers later just saying if you read catalyst that movie is awesome <laughs> okay but that's <laughs> cool see um, i'm a fan but you shouldn't have to read anything else when you're watching a movie you know that yeah. should be like cool supplements but it shouldn't be mandatory yeah okay and uh just uh just intro here we're just uh wanted to talk our uh first star wars memory just uh wondering uh you know first you know star wars you know there's no one person I've you know met that doesn't like Star Wars, and it's you know cultural, you know cultural uh, cornerstone for everyone. So I was just uh, just one wondering if uh, you if you guys want to start first your uh, first Star Wars memory. Well, well, I unfriended everybody who doesn't like Star Wars. So, <laughs> Rightfully, we, so. um, my first me- my first Star Wars memory. Although I know for certain, I had seen other movies several times before, like The Godfather, which came out before Star Wars. Star Wars is the first movie I can remember waiting in line for a theater Mm -hmm. to see a second time. It's the first movie I can recall. I actually went back, stood in line, you know, in in New York cold and waited to see a second time. So that's that would have to that would it would always live in my heart as the the first movie I saw twice. Very cool. Uh, Rob? Well, I was a, a complete science fiction film fanatic when Star Wars came out. I was 10. Mm-hmm. I was already a Star Trek fan. I knew all the names of the original Star Trek episodes. I love the Twilight Zone and the Outer Limits. And we had sci-fi theater on Sundays at, in Seattle where I grew up. So my favorite movie at that time, I had two. One was the original War of the Worlds and the other was Planet of the Apes, the original Planet oh. of the Apes. And a year before Star Wars, I had begged my mom to take me to see Logan's Run, which I also loved. Great so I was, I couldn't wait to see Star Wars. And my father took me on the Saturday that it had opened. And uh, when we got there, there was a huge line around the block, which I, I, I'd never seen that before in my life. And there was no way we were going to get in. The line was gigantic. Mm-hmm. And I was perplexed and deeply saddened. And I was crying because I figured this was my movie. Why are these other people here? <laughs> 
And, and so my dad took me to see, as a consolation prize, a double feature of Race with the Devil and the Car, okay. which was all about the devil and Satan worshipers, and it was great, and I, I was very, very excited about that. And then the next morning, I went with our neighbors, Chambers, Mr. and Mrs. Chambers and Peter, my schoolmate. We all went, and I made them go two and a half hours early so we wouldn't, we wouldn't miss it. And even then, we were halfway down this enormous line. Uh, and I saw the film 13 times in the theater that May from May to September. Wow, seventy-seven. That's uh, that's a good track record. Yeah, you know, um, I think my first Star Wars uh, memory. I I remember the first because the first Star Wars film I saw was actually the last. It was Return of the Jedi. You must um, been so confused. I know, right? <laughs> uh, for you know, and for you know, it was the last one, but. I just, uh, you know, I just rolled with it, and, like, I didn't have any questions. Like, I just knew, like, you know, Yoda's supposed to be wise, Luke is supposed to be, like, the hero. And it was on old VHS. This was, uh, you know, in the 90s. And um, it was, I think I had, like, an X-Wing, and I just, like, used to, like, reenact it, like, all the time. And uh, I think it was when Lucas redid, it was the first re-edit he did, the special edition. So, you know, that was probably my first. Diego? Yeah, uh, I'm. I think the, the <coughs> special edition VHS were my thing too. Okay. So you know, for the longest time, like the the Jabba's Palace stuff in Return of the Jedi, yeah, uh, really stuck with me because I was like, this is a good movie, but this is weird that the cartoon computer aliens. Um, yeah, VHS with uh, my mom and dad when I was really young. Cool. Yeah. Kurt. Uh, I remember uh, going to my uncle's house and he gave me this box. It was a nice solid rectangle and it had this menacing figure on the front just the, the head it was darth maul wasn't it it was darth vader oh. <laughs> and it was uh some sort of uh limited edition box set of the okay. the first the first three episodes but the real first three the four five and six and so uh i'm like oh what is this this looks awesome and so i watched a new hope on vhs and loved it uh Got, had to have a Lego X-Wing shortly after. You know, so these movies had been out for so long that, that Legos were already there. And then uh, I know the, the prequels came out a little bit after that, and I was super excited to see them. And I was a kid, so, you know, they whatever was bad about them just went straight over my head because, you know, kid, Star Wars, lightsabers. Gotcha. Uh, Nick? Hey, man. Now this is pod racing. No, but uh, which uh, I do remember, I think mine was in the early night was in the mid 90s. I may have been like four or five. And that was when the prequel when the first trilogy was re-released in movie theaters. I remember my dad took me. It was like 1995, 1996. I was like three or four years old. And I remember my dad showing me that movie. And because of the small edits, he then took me home and then sat me down for his box set, mm -hmm. which was the original versions mm -hmm. of, of them. And I think I sat there for about nine hours. Because he was like, oh, we're finishing this today. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, nine hours spent. Yeah, and like I remember, I remember like my dad watching me right at Empire and just kind of like going like, I can't wait to see his face. And when he finds out Vader's his dad, oh, I can't wait to fucking see this. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as I did it, I was like, oh my god, is that true? And my dad's like, I don't know, maybe he's lying. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And then uh, just going right into it, uh, favorite Star Wars movie, guys. Dude, come on. Empire. 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 Episode one. 
I'm going to go with Empire, too. I know it's the popular decision, but you cannot beat Empire. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a it's a great movie, but I think just like the one I have most fun watching is uh, Return of the Jedi. I mean, okay. there's there are definitely That's issues with that choice. one. To be, but, um, to be totally honest, the Jedi is my favorite too. I mean, because like really quick, <laughs> so I don't get on a huge tangent, but uh, I just think it's so fun to like watch these characters. They've been through so much together. Like uh, the this little banter between Han and Luke, like when they first meet up after he's broken out of the Carbonite, and he's like, "Oh, how we doing? Usual? Oh, that bad, huh?" Like it's just those little moments that really make it sing to me. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like uh, which all no same as always. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just another Tuesday in the galaxy. Yeah, you know? um, yeah. I think Jedi is really is really fun. Um, some of the best things is uh, especially when like you have R two D two and in different stuff. So I mean, I really enjoy Jedi. I don't have a favorite. I just really love Star Wars, uh, and, and I haven't <laughs> I haven't a, seen each one twenty times. That's so a cop out everybody that is a cop has out a favorite. Look, I, look, I'm I'm here as the everyday man. Right. I I rate movies on whether I enjoyed them or not. That's okay. as far as I'll go. So that's fair. Cool. cool. So uh, just getting away from Star Wars just for a quick second. Um, How dare you? <laughs> really quick. Um, we're just gonna go over some uh, movie news that happened this week. Um, just our thoughts on it. So uh, first, you know, first off, uh, new Spider-Man. Or excuse me, the first Spider-Man Homecoming trailer came out and it looked awesome yeah look it looked real good uh i it looks like everything i want out of a spider-man story Mm -hmm. i just really they really need to nail home that his life is terrible and peter parker's life is terrible and he needs to be poor as hell like i like that they moved him down from a fancy suburban home to an apartment building that was such a nice apartment though yeah okay true but it's a movie i mean like friends and friends they're not going to be able to afford that yeah no i i liked it a lot come on that's how and Michael out. Keaton as the vulture looks yeah. like he just has that one line, but he looks cool. Yeah. You think he'll be as badass as Beetlejuice? <laughs> that's the, that's right. the big one. Uh, guys, what did uh, any thoughts on that? On Spider Man? Yeah, Spider Man Homecoming. You know, I, I, I think that, um, you know, anyone who's watched Collider Heroes knows that I'm a huge fan of Kevin Feige. Yeah. Okay. And I think that um, they finally made Spider-Man the way he should have been made from the beginning, which is you cast a kid who looks like he's in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, you play it up that way. The right. fact that he has, a, he has no father, so Tony Stark is his mentor. Uh-huh. I love that idea. And, he's and an I love the fact uh-huh. that he, he's, he's going to have real-world kid problems in yeah. addition to being a superhero because he's still, after all, a teenager. Right. And, and that was what always made the comics so much fun to read because it was that perfect balance between, well, if you were a superhero but you still had to, you know, do well on your finals, yeah. how would that work? Yeah, definitely. That's acne. <laughs> and uh, he seems like an actual nerd, you know, um, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, he was too much, a bit too much of a cool guy. You know, we're seeing this, you know, uh, Tom Holland, you know, really play up. You know, he has, like, the web shooters. He has, like, all the, you know, Spider-Man gadgets. So, like, no, but Josh brings up a good point. Acne. He needs I, a, yeah. That's a lot of stress. Puberty, high school, and you're a superhero? Oh, that guy's <laughs> going to break out every day. He has yeah. regeneration skill powers. Come on. He's oh, yeah. That cancels out the acne. You're right. Is that acne. <laughs> yeah. Use your head. So yeah, no, it looked it looked awesome. Um, I actually really do like the idea that uh, for once he's not going to just have like a father figure; he'll actually have like a teacher, right? Who's kind of teaching him how to be a superhero. Yeah. And as in tradition of Spider-Man, it needs to go horribly, horribly wrong somehow. What are you saying? Tony Stark dies at the end? No, I mean like maybe in Infinity Wars he dies or something, you know? Because they did win. Yeah. 
Um, so, oh, sorry. Sorry, what was that? Oh, well, Josh just made an interesting point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the, the father figure in the comics was always kind of Norman Osborn, which yeah. is ironic because Osborn turns out to be his, his ultimate nemesis. It gets very Oedipal. Uh, and Rob said they didn't really handle that that well in the movies, and I agreed. They didn't really, in the movies, tend to like flatten everything. They take all the bullet points and they make it into a two-hour movie, and they try to compress, you know, a hundred issues of stuff of yeah. into one ninety-minute movie. Yeah, I mean, they did with Alfred Molina in Spider-Man Two when he played Otto Octavius, <coughs> Sam Raimi's Spider-Man Two. They did a pretty good job of that. They did a pretty good job of the mentor-student relationship. You actually had scenes where you would see Octavius and Peter Parker in a normal environment having dinner together or something, mm -hmm. and they had, they had a relationship. But I, I like the idea that what Marvel has done so well, especially in the latter half of their films, is, as Kevin Feige has said, they're going to take movies and they'll do, like, a 70s conspiracy thriller, which is yeah. what Winter Soldier was. Or they'll do a heist movie, which is what Ant-Man is. And they have mentioned... Kevin Feige has mentioned that Spider-Man: Homecoming is a John Hughes movie. Yeah, with yeah. set in a in a superhero context, which I think is a great idea, because so often people believe that uh, that comic book films are limited by their source material. That just because they're a comic book, they have to be a certain way, and every reader of comic books knows that isn't true. Yeah, and I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done a very good job of of taking the four color fantasies that we read as children and transposing them into a cinematic reality that everybody uh, is captivated by, especially judging by their success. I mean, look at Doctor Strange. It's basically a psychedelic mm -hmm. Carlos Castaneda expanding your mind, magical <laughs> realism, whatever, yeah. you know. It's, yeah, no. And it worked. People mm -hmm. loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Marvel just, you know, cannot do anything wrong at this point, you know, with that's what they've shown us. So, yeah, no, it looks great. I'm really excited. Um, I guess that brings us to the uh, next trailer that came out, War of the Planet of the Apes. And I'm really, yeah. you know, excited for this. Um, big Planet of the Apes fan. It's, uh, you know, they're going into, like, really uncharted territory. Um, this is, like, maybe the first ape movie where it's not sort of uh, has any source material. Like, Dawn was, you know, based off of, uh, you know, I think it was War of the, you know, was the Planet of the Apes movie, but... You know, it, it was based on this. You know, this is something we've never seen in Apes. Uh, what everyone think? I predict pain at the box office. Okay. Uh, my kids Ooh. watched the trailer and, and said, didn't we see this movie last time? That is, to me, is the kiss of death. Oh, no. Um, there is actually source material on this. It's Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Okay. And I, I as, as an ape fan myself, I'm a little disappointed that we're returning to the apes going to battle humans thing. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's very typical. Hollywood just needs to make lots and lots of battle movies, I guess, because they already have the algorithms in their computer and it's just <laughs> easier. But it sure would be nice if they actually had something a little more cerebral since the Planet of the Apes, what made the, Planet, the original movie and even uh, and even Escape, the, the third movie, mm -hmm. they were more cerebral. They were about they were about the relationships between people and they used apes as a metaphor for racism. The, the new movies they don't really do that it, it's it's just it's just a lot of cgi yeah. and so um, i'm going to be a little disappointed with this and i, I predict pain at the box office yeah well I, I mean i have a little different take i think in that 
I really enjoyed the first Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I thought it was really, really good. Mm-hmm. And and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I, I enjoyed. But my real problem with uh, this film is it's it all seems to be set in and around the San Francisco area. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the movie called Planet of the Apes. And I, I want to know what is happening. I mean, obviously, it'd be a little more difficult to tell on a global scale how yeah. to do something like that. But but the film seems to be only giving us a sliver of what's going on. I want to know what's happening in the rest of the world. Like, is Europe having the same problem, or have they made peace with their evolved apes? Yeah. Are there evolved apes in Europe? Like, I don't know. What about China? Have the Chinese <laughs> figured to reverse their diseases? I mean, I don't I don't know. And I I, I the the films are rise work really really well because like a movie like Twelve Monkeys, mm-hmm. you're unleashed. Uh, you're unleashed. But um, I don't know. I mean, I'll wait and see. I hope it's good. Yeah. The the one thing I, I was kind of hoping from this new Planet of the Apes movie is I wouldn't have minded if there was, like, a resistance. Mm-hmm. If, like, the apes had already kind of taken over. And, like, this is the last of, like, the allied human forces to kind of, like, make a final push. Right. And stuff like that. And they're, like, trying to free humans from slavery and they're trying to do everything like that. That would be really cool. Like, kind of, like, apes becoming the brand new norm. That would have been really cool to kind of see. Mm-hmm. And uh, it would have led really cool into, like, the final planet of the apes where it's just, like, you're getting further and further. I think we've already kind of seen this, like, whole battle play out and stuff like that. So, yeah. That's my only issue. I'll be happy if they can figure out a way to get the uh, the Icarus back into the movie. If they yeah. can get that shit back in the movie, it will redeem itself for the fact that it's just a continuation of the previous movie. Yeah. Yeah. I actually didn't like the the trailer. I thought the trailer had showed too much. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because uh, it, you can kind of piece some of the like things together where you're basically going, yeah, the apes win. Like, especially. Well, I mean, the, obviously, it's no, the Planet but, of the Apes. But like the like the scene where you see Caesar and them and they're walking through uh, like a warehouse and they have like shotguns and they turn the corner and then you see uh, Woody Woody Harrelson's character and he just has like pull like there's a pull of whiskey that's already like laid out and like there's like shells everywhere and he's holding a picture of his son and he just like throws it down. It's kind of like oh, so that's the end of the movie. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, see, I didn't see. I don't even remember that little bit from the trailer. Really? Yeah, that's so in the trailer, that just, yeah. Come by me. Uh, but the, uh, talking about surprises in the movie, uh, as we wrap up the segment, uh, I guess they're not done with the virus aspect of the Planet of the Apes reboots. I guess some someone mentioned in an interview that the uh, the virus is evolved. evolving, and then that's going to incorporate some familiar mythology to the from the Planet of the Apes movies. Apparently, yeah, we'll fingers crossed for uh, mind reading underground mutants. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Hopefully. Or mutant humans with yeah. no way to speak. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they do. It's tight. mind control mm-hmm. or uh, telepathy. I mean, yeah. yeah. And speaking of uh, mind control, it kind of looks like uh, Fast or uh, Fate of the Furious. Is, uh, Vin Diesel is uh, evil now. Okay, wonder, so he's uh, either a robot or he's being mind controlled or a clone, and I don't care. I'm all in. Yeah. Any thoughts? <laughs> Uh, F- Fate of the Fate of the Furious is a movie that all the Fast and the Furious series has always kind of gone like, what have we not done yet? Yeah, and uh, to, to kind of go like, oh, what are we gonna do this time? Why don't we make Dom a villain? Oh, like yeah. that's that's kind of genius, and uh, I really can't wait to kind of see what exactly is going to happen. I know that some way somehow he's being blackmailed, and that's the reason why he's doing it and you know yeah. otherwise it'd just be out of character and yeah. stuff like that so I think that's going to be really interesting to see any uh, any thoughts guys well 
Uh, I stopped watching Vin Diesel after Boiler Room, so I. Oh, oh. That's, a, that's a good place I, to stop, though. I am a huge, I'm a huge fan of this series. Uh-huh. Um, I've loved it since the beginning, and I'm a huge fan of Tokyo Drift. <laughs> and I think yes. Fast Five is is genius. Yeah. Um, I did not like the last one very much. I thought, believe it or not, I thought it was too silly, and um, it didn't. It wasn't as grounded as the other films, if that makes any sense. Yeah, in this this movie, though, I'm really looking forward to it because clearly Vin Diesel is, is doing what he's doing for ultimately a good reason. He wouldn't sell out his friends. And I want to find out what exactly that reason is. I would imagine it might have something to do with the safety of Paul Walker and his family because okay. Paul Walker is obviously camping in the film. Right. But as soon as I saw a Russian submarine smash through the ice, a la Ice Station Zebra, I was, uh, I, I'm like, I can't wait to see this movie. And Charlie Theron's the villainous, so what's yeah. not to love? Yeah, we'll have, you know, we'll have to see and you know, see the reason. Like, you know, I think you know, it's something. Yeah, I agree. It could be something with uh, Paul, you know, Paul Walker's family. I think, uh, I think mm-hmm. the only thing that was kind of bothering me in the entire trailer was they were like, oh, and Jason Statham's joining the group. Yeah, he murdered your friend. Now he gets to join no, you guys. See, that's that's even like <laughs> it's, it's a classic uh, hero villain like yeah. matchup thing. Where it's like, oh yeah, this guy that you can never trust ever. Now you got to team up with him for the greater good. Yeah. But also you can still not trust him ever. Right. Watch at the very end. You're going to find out that they, they make a friendship and like he joins the crew. <laughs> no, forever. see that would, that would be, t- he killed, you. He, Co- killed he, Han. Killed Han. <laughs> he killed Han. He killed Han. Han, the Han solo of the Fast and Furious <laughs> franchise. So, cool, cool. Yeah. so, uh, just, uh, going off movie news, we're going to, uh, next segment, uh, pitch a movie. It's an activity we do. And uh, usually we have our guests. Uh, we'll give them suggestions, and we'll be uh, the studio heads. Uh, gents, we're going to have you uh, pitch a Star Wars movie for us, and we're going to give uh, you know we're going to give you one suggestion each. You know, we'll throw anything out there. So, how you guys feeling about it? Oh, we're, um, it's going to be a train wreck. It's going to be. Fun. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. I can't wait for this. Yeah. All right, Gene, right. uh, go ahead and give them the first suggestion. Okay. It all right. It um, what is it? It has to have. I swear to God, you see giant spider. <laughs> <laughs> all right, has to be a uh, uh, heist film, Star Wars heist film. I think uh, that's the genre I want to go to. A heist film. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, okay, I I will say that it has to be uh, directed by. Let's go, Michael Bay. Jesus. Let's go Michael Bay on this one. Okay. Me? I'd like to see... Are, are we supposed to then pitch that? Oh, yeah. no, no. Um, we're going to we're gonna, um, cut away... Um, we're going to go back to this later in the, later in the podcast. So that way you guys have at least like yeah. maybe like 30 minutes to kind of think yeah, of it. Just to, so we get to work on off, uh, kind of off mic. Is that how this works? We're gonna yeah. Have, yeah. So we're going to give you... Yeah. So, and so that only, the only parameters is the director and that's a heist movie? Director's um, heist movie well, at, and uh, uh, one more. Essentially, yeah. they're adding more on. So at the very end, we'll go ahead and come back. And then as long as you have all of the parameters inside of it, we should be okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, cool. so I need to see a Jedi temple with Jedis occupying it. How the fuck? When, is, uh, when does this very, movie take place? Super prequel. Yeah. Oh, I actually have an idea on how to do the it. The Old okay. Republic. Oh, don't, don't give it away for that. I have an idea on how to do it. Okay, and it has to star Tessa Thompson. <laughs> From uh, Creed. Okay. And Thor Ragnarok. 
Anthony. Yes. Thor Ragnarok. And Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. And Valkyrie. Uh, which are Westworld as well. Yep. yep. Yeah, she was in Westworld. Great show. Cool, cool. Um, so yeah, guys, you'll have uh, you know till the end of the show. Till the end of the show to pitch that, we'll go back to that. Um, right now, uh, we're gonna cut away to an interview I did at uh, Long Beach Comic Con with Chris Stompolis. He was the star of uh, Raiders: The Story of the Greatest Fan Film Ever Told. It's a really good documentary on Netflix, and you know we're gonna cut away to that. So hope you enjoy. Hi, this is Gina Versa. I'm at. Long Beach Comic Con with the Waffle Press podcast. I'm here with Chris Strompolis, the star and co-producer of Raiders, the fan film. And it was a... uh, Chris, how would you describe the film? It's a shot-for-shot remake of the classic uh, Spielberg movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm -hmm. And it's accompanied by... Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film, which is a documentary produced and directed by Jeremy Kuhn and Ted Stausen, released in June by Draft House Films, and we have a book out by Alan Eisenstock, and uh, yeah, that's the story. It's also on Netflix, correct? Correct, yes. Yeah, we just, it just launched on Netflix a couple of days ago. So, is it, so Chris, you know, I love the documentary, I love the book, um, is it, how cool is it to have you know, people like fans of Raiders and everyone like know about this kind of like secret like fan film like that you know Eli Roth found like in someone's like you know uh, videotape collection and like it you know exploded you know everyone started you know spreading it around. How does that feel? Well, Eli got the copy from uh, an old roommate of Eric's, and that was sort of that's how he got got a hold of it. But yes, it was an old beaten VHS tape. I think. Um, you know, it's it's sort of uh, we never thought that it would get as far as it has. It's it's uh, it's very flattering and very inspiring for us to have other people who are Indiana Jones fans and Raiders fans to approach us and let us know how our movie has inspired them uh, in return. And and um, so it's nice nice to have that sort of fan recognition. It's cool. Right. Is it like weird? Uh, you know, fans knowing your life story, or well, that is a that's a decision that you make when you start to tell your story. I mean, when the book was being done and the documentary was being done, you can't tell a story about yourself unless you're honest. And I think that's where a lot of people take a wrong turn. They want it all sort of they want to gloss it over with rainbows and sweetness and and yeah. leave out all the all the stuff that makes us human. And I think that is along with the spine of the story, which is the friendship between Eric and I, all the the dark and gritty stuff that makes us people, it, right. it, it resonates, and I, I think that has a universal quality to it. And we're back. Uh, moving on to the next segment of the Waffle Press podcast, our Star Wars special episode with guests Rob Meyer Burnett and Joshua Melville. Um, and now our next section is uh, a Star minutes. Wars fan cast. Yeah, the audience, ten minutes to think about it. And so for this section, we're going to fan cast who we would like to see work on a Star Wars movie, be it a director, actor, uh, even musical composer. Uh, so, Gene, cool. you and I discussed this multiple times yeah. before. I know you've got one. Yeah. Who do you want to see work on a Star Wars movie? So, I, you know, for director, you know, I was thinking like Brad Bird – you know, but ultimately, like, I think Joe, Joe uh, Cornish, who did uh, Attack the Block, I'd really want to see him do, like, a Star Wars film. So, um, 
yeah, I think, you know, Attack the Block was one of the best. We haven't seen him do anything else. Uh, you know, he did, like, the most interesting, uh, you know, like, sci-fi film. May, you know, I want to see, maybe he does, like, a Boba Fett film. That would, like, my, be my ideal thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nick? Uh, I would kind of want to see, um, I don't know. See, that's the, that's the trouble, though, is that it, are we going more towards directing? Are we going more oh, any, like, any, yeah. anything? Anything you yeah. want to see in a Star Wars movie or working on one? Uh, to be totally honest, I want to see more of what we saw in uh, was it in Rogue One. I do actually really want to see more of uh, if we go further back where we tell more stories about like Vader hunting down Jedi or anything like that. That'd be really cool. You know, we we hear a lot about these things that like happened to Vader and like the fact why we should be afraid of Vader, but we never have seen it. Yeah, and I think that'd be kind of cool. I mean, Rogue One was like a little taste. And it's it, that I think was like super cool. But uh, imagining seeing Vader taking out like Jedi and like hunting them down and like doing everything like that, that would be really cool. Yeah. Especially with like a legion of like bounty hunters and stuff like that. That would be really badass. Okay, but who do you want to work on it? Who would I want to work yeah. on it? Uh, psh, for a movie like that, maybe uh, Jeff Gary Gray. Cool. Oh, okay. I was like, Jeff. <laughs> F- I mean, uh, yeah, F- F- Gary. Gary. Yeah, no, I mean, no, F- Gary. yeah. Straight to Compton. Yeah. Legit. Cool. That uh, looks great. I just want a super prequel. I want Jedi's running around everywhere. I want to see, I don't know, what they do in their everyday life. And obviously there's some sort of conflict because it's a movie. <laughs> Honestly, o- Old Republic would be pretty dope. Yeah, it's a game already, but, you know. The, the no, but that uh, you're, you're right. You guys bring up an interesting point. Like, I want to see... Like older public a stuff. A long, I, long, like long time prequels ago. Prequels to the, the right. prequels, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like an even longer time ago. Well, not only that, but also if you do Old Republic, you're not standing to any lore. Yeah, you you're, can do whatever you want. You can kind yeah. well, no, 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 we, no, you we know can. the crystals. The, oh, kyber crystals. Yeah, you have those. <laughs> but I mean, you can do like the battery packs for like the lightsabers and stuff like that. That'd be cool. Yeah, you could do anything. So it'd be like, oh, oh, how'd all this stuff happen? No one knew. Oh, it's actually a million years before yeah. than yeah. you hope. Like it doesn't, it's it's fiction. You could do whatever you want. You yeah, know? you can do whatever the hell you yeah. want. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. What about you, Diego? Um, Alfonso Cuaron, who's directed Gravity, Harry Potter, Prisoner of Azkaban, Eat uh, Tu Mama Tambien. Like, I think he's a genius. Oh, and Children of Men. Yeah, uh, I think he's one of the greatest directors to have ever touched, like, a film. Yeah. So I would love to see him do a Star Wars movie. What what he could bring to that would be like remarkable. I think. Seen him with Harry Potter. So. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Josh, Rob, any uh, any like one? Person? I would like to see. I would like to see as the Emperor. Adam West. <laughs> that would okay. be so cool. Yeah. Just to mix it up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Should be another Christmas special if they do that. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to see David Fincher go back to the Star Wars franchise. He first worked as an effects cameraman on Return of the Jedi when he was 18 years old. Uh-huh. I think, you know, I think he's one of the greatest directors working today. And I would love to see, I mean, I, you know, it's called Star Wars, so we always have to see a movie that has conflict in it. But what if you did something like, you know, a character study, like he made Fight Club. Mm-hmm. What if you did, what if you did a, a Jedi Club where there's some guy who, <laughs> who the Jedi has been wiped out and he he's a complete Jedi freak and he, it's been years and years since anyone has seen the Jedi and nobody knows if they're really alive or not and. Maybe he goes a little nuts, like Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver, and he starts some kind of a of a faux Jedi fight club where he tries to recruit 
a band of, of new Jedis, a bunch of crazy people that study the Force. And mm -hmm. it turns out that indeed, a la Travis Bickle and Taxi Driver, all these insane people that join his Jedi cult, indeed wind up having to go on a mission. And uh, as Jedi, as, as maybe people that are schizophrenics or people that are nuts, but they've been practicing becoming Jedi, that they, these crazy people, like Travis Bickle goes and kills Harvey Keitel at the end of, of, uh, of mm -hmm. Taxi Driver, these Spoiler crazy right. Jedi have to go on some crazy Jedi mission and actually do some good in the universe. Yeah. Even though they're all insane and nuts. Mm -hmm. Like some sort of suicide squad? <laughs> so it's Fight Club meets Fight, Fight Club meets Taxi Driver. Uh, to be totally honest, actually, I think David Fincher would do an awesome job if you did a Obi Wan movie. If you do like isolation, well, he's isolated and he's kind of like dealing with his own stuff, and he's you know watching this. He's watching the like the son of like one well, of the Jedi's greatest murderer. Well, I guess it <laughs> like <laughs> like that, that kind of fucks with you. <laughs> <laughs> just knowing like I have to I have to teach this kid eventually how to be a Jedi. Well, real quick, did you guys ever hear uh I think he was one of the directors that was approached for one of the new Star Wars movies and then he talked about how um he sees it as a story of two slaves, C3PO and R2D2 that are handed off from like generation mm. to generation That's because awesome. humanity keeps fucking up and going to war again and again and again. It's just the adventures of those two in space. That's how yeah. I've seen it. What if we had C3PO and R2D2 meet Abbott and Costello? I'm down. There you go. <laughs> First of all, I've got a real, I've got a question that I want to ask you guys. Sure, go sure for it. A, a Rogue One question. Okay. We we see R2 and 3PO in the Yavin base. Yeah. As everyone's taking off, but they're not on the Tantive oh, Four. Yeah. Princess. Well, technically, they would be on. Yeah, they're supposed to be on with Tantive Four, and then. The Tantive Four is uh, at the battle. Well, here's the thing, though. Yeah, so when when, when they show everything, they're all running to their ships. Yeah, so and they're, they're kind of freaking out. So there's there's plenty of like leeway to kind of go like yeah. they're just getting all the ships together and they're everybody's jumping into their ships that they then ran to the main ship, and that's where they were going to battle. Why would you take a protocol droid into? Uh... <laughs> into a battle. I don't know yeah. why you would bring a... Uh, like even, years. I mean, uh, having... having three, and I'll well, tell you, what, a, a, another thing that really bothered me, I know this is just, since we're talking Star Wars, it, it's like, why is the Tantive Four mm -hmm. like, it leaves the battle with the Star Destroyer in hot pursuit, and then in, in A New Hope, Vader yeah. steps on and goes, if this is a counselor ship, where's the ambassador? Yeah, It doesn't work. It would have seen a ship leave a, a battle yeah. zone. It came out of a much larger... Republic cruiser, uh -huh. and uh, when I watched the the end, none of that worked for me. I just it just filled my head with questions, and I'm like, the whole point of Princess Leia being Princess Leia is that her father is a member of the rebellion, right? But she's a member of the Imperial Senate, so she has plausible deniability of the rebellion. That was uh, that was she's, something she's else. doing the rebellion's work within the Senate. So why would she? They send her the Battle of Sharif, right? Yeah, actually, I brought yeah, that. I, I brought that up last night. Mentioned the uh, geopolitics of, of, of the whole thing. Because <laughs> well, I, I remember bringing that up last night when we were talking about the same thing. And I'm like, eh, it really doesn't at all. It yeah. just brings up a lot of questions. No, yeah, and I, I do think that was that's that's weird because also why would Princess Leia be at the battle? I mean, in case that ship fell. Yeah. Like, that means that one of, like, that's Alderaan's, like, princesses were on was on the ship. That's, like, really incriminating, especially if she is trying to keep, like, her, like, her role in the rebellion kind of a secret. 
because inside of exactly. Rebels, yeah. in Rebels and everything like that, she is trying to keep a secret, and she even is helping the Rebels out by assisting the Empire, and she's like telling the Empire what uh, what's going on and stuff yeah. like that. So I mean, that doesn't make sense. It's a little tiny like portion of <laughs> information that doesn't make any sense yeah. because also. I don't know why you try to defend yourself to Darth Vader when he just saw this fucking <laughs> ship leave. Like yeah. it's kind of like we're in which we're on a diplomatic mission. Bullshit. <laughs> I, just I just saw, saw you. you. I, I just saw, saw you leave you the, the exploding ship. <laughs> like I was at the dock. <laughs> ask any of your men. I uh, well, they're all dead now. But ask any of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, that was that's interesting. Yeah, we'll have to. You know, if you ever see Gareth Edwards, have to ask him about that bottle. Yeah, it's I, yeah. I guess it's a it's a small plot hole that leads into episode four, right. in which I mean, yeah. all you really needed to do was just transmit them, and then Leia's ship would have been like off in the distance, like yeah. maybe watching the battle, yeah. and then taking off. But I mean, you something like that. But you wouldn't have that badass like scene right. of like everything else, unless like they're at a console instead of like an a, a actual like space, yeah. like a, a docking bay. If he was at a console and then like like Darth Vader killed him as soon as he sent the transmission, that would have been cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was uh, yeah. That's um, maybe they'll clear that up in another spinoff or something. <laughs> They're never gonna clear yeah. that up. Um. So cool. That cool. that yeah. That leads us to uh, we're gonna go back to pitch a movie. Um. So guys. Um. I want to hear this. Let's see. Uh, want to hear your uh, Star Wars uh, Star Wars spinoff? Well, <laughs> we got nothing. We got I've just got one. You want it to be a heist? You want it to be a heist movie? Okay. Um, Here it is. It's it's uh-huh. it's a movie about how the banking guilds the banking have been ripping guilds. everybody off on Coruscant and all the outer rim colonies. They've been stealing their money. They've been selling them bad loans, and it's all in service of getting the money to build the Death Star two. Mm-hmm. Around the moon of Endor, so the Empire bonds. The yeah, the, the, bonds. so it's, 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 it's the big short, and it's all about how the, the the entire banking industry, how the Emperor, just like John Hurt said in the movie Contact, why build one when you could build two at twice the price? Well, nobody knows that they how they got the money. I mean, the first Death Star was the largest construction project in the history of the universe. So the Emperor figured, why build one when you can build two at twice the price? And he had to employ people to siphon money uh, to uh, uh, to get in to build the project. The reason that the Death Star 2 wasn't finished is because mm-hmm. the stalwart band of rebels steals the influx of cash that the Emperor needs to finish the Death Star 2. And that's why it remains unfinished in Return of the Jedi. It was the, the, the principal rebels were able to pull off a major heist where all this money was coming in from all of the so- outer... Yeah. Rim colonies. Rob, Rob has had a couple of cocktails, just so you know. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. It's the big it's short. It's going to be about as easy to follow as the big short. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It's definitely a different sort of Star Wars movie than we're used to seeing. There you that go. <laughs> yeah. And, um... I like the Bonds idea. As soon as you said banking guild, I was like, oh, that's fucking genius. Yeah. <laughs> let's, pu- let's pull from the banking guild. Come on. It's like in Dune, you know, you've got the, uh-huh. the whole lands rat, Dune, and everybody who, the different guilds. There's the spice guild. Well, there's the banking guild, you know, and they've, uh, right. they're well, ripping everybody off. And, and the homesteaders, like, you know, Owen Lars would be one of those guys. He would be <laughs> one of the guys that was, he was having his farm. He was going to get foreclosed upon. That's why he couldn't let Luke go to the academy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was he one owned of those a lot guys. of loans. 
They, yeah. Now you're just tying in everything. It, it works. <laughs> That's why Luke had to stay another season. <laughs> Drinking I mean, why do you think Moss Eisley is such a shithole, but Moss Espa, where they run the Boon to Eve pod race, is so flush with cash? Right. It's because they've got the hut money. they got the big hut money to pay That's for true. those parties and pay for that racetrack. And the it's, like, it's like Atlantic rest City. rest of Tatooine is the – if there's a bright place from because it's poor. It's been bankrupted. Mm-hmm. The homesteaders and farmers have lost their livelihood. Yeah. Cool. Our rebel band is going to save those poor people. Yeah. A socially relevant Star Wars movie. Yeah, by stealing stealing That's all the right. money and giving yeah. it to the poor. I there like it. Go. I like so, it. So, guys, would you, what do you, you think yeah, about I, would you uh, buy it? I think that would be pretty <laughs> dope. That would be a very interesting, it'd be an interesting movie. It would be a very interesting movie. Yeah. I can say that. I, I'm not sure if it would be a good movie. I, mean, I, just, <laughs> I just think it would be an interesting movie, though. Come on, man. It's The Grapes of Wrath meets The Big Short. <laughs> Also, don't forget, directed by Michael Bay. By yeah, Michael and Bay. oh man, there'd be a lot of explosions. Uh, no, that's there'd be true. A, no, there'd be a lot of uh, close-up telephoto lenses with people standing, uh, like on a, a lot of slow parallel plane. You know, a lot of slow as the camera pans around. But it'd be Michael Bay in pain and gain mode, you know, telling a character-based story. Right? I'm, I'm okay, okay with that. Yeah, okay I like that. that. I like that Michael Bay or like. Armageddon Michael Bay? Or no, not Armageddon Michael Bay. Hey, fuck you. Armageddon Michael Bay uh, is awesome. Hey, Rock, I like you know? 13 Hours. <laughs> Still uh, surprised about that right. one, admittedly. Um, but but yeah, uh, I think I think it'd be really interesting. Yeah. I do. So you, you would you would greenlight this? Yeah, uh, I think the only thing I would change is I would change it from uh, what shot to uh, like the Rebels hired a bunch of bounty hunters. I think that'd be kind of tight. Yeah. You greenlight this movie, you will lose your job, I guarantee you. <laughs> We're going to get Steve Zalian and uh, uh, Aaron Sorkin to write it. I'm telling you, it's going to be a Academy Award. Yeah. No, that's why, that's why, if anything, we just get Dave Filoni to write it. There you go. That's, that's, anything Dave Filoni writes is amazing. Okay, it's so, fine. You, so you definitely lost your job. <laughs> yeah. and I probably not got that da- he's not talented. Just... And, I, and I probably got Dave Filoni fired. <laughs> Um, I, I would buy it like you know. I like okay, so two two executives just I, lost their jobs. You know, I like the Big Short. Like, I'll take risks. I'll, I'll put my job on the line. This is like Guardians of the Galaxy with money. That's yeah, it. there you go. That's, that's, I think I'd rather see. I, it's a gamble. I, I think I'd rather see uh, Star Wars meets Apocalypse Now. That would be tough. Okay. Some kind of up the river movie where you know where you have to have some kind of Brando esque character at the very end who ends that being some lost Jedi master who's, you know, going to bring back the Jedi. I think I'd, I'd prefer something like that. Because Star Wars almost is an apocalypse now. The, the Falcon is like the, the PT cruiser, you know, just picking up characters as it goes along, you know, mm-hmm. engaging in battle. So I go with that. Cool. Let's have a deformed Mace Windu. And uh, poor motherfuckers. He, he could have survived. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Diego, you're the last... Uh... Yeah, no, it sounds ridiculous, so I would totally watch it. I don't know if I would greenlight it, but I would totally watch it. You know what? I'm, I, I want to greenlight it just to see if you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's a no, dude. <laughs> yeah, I want to keep my job. All right. The, uh, which, uh, the only thing is that, because what I, what I thought they were going to go for was I thought uh, stealing younglings from the uh, Jedi Temple would be pretty dope. Yeah, and like sending them over to the emperor, like the like they're actually like going into the Jedi Temple, stealing younglings, and like uh, which are, and giving them to the emperor for to be, turn into inquisitors. Right. Or but the point, like there wouldn't Darth be Caesars. the emperor, <laughs> huh? Wouldn't or they? it would just be Palpatine at that point. Well, Darth Sidious, because yeah. you can do it during uh, what was it? Because you can do it during uh, the Clone Wars. Well, he was he was the emperor by the end of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Oh, what I was he, talking he about was uh, let's go way back. 
Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah. Um, so, well, you got two out of three votes. So, <laughs> you know, majority rules. So, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. How about, how, I got one. Yeah. How about the, the rebels and the empire since they end the war by saying, let's just take a vote. And the rebels think they're going to win the vote because uh, everybody likes rebels. And then it turns out at the end that everyone votes for the empire. That's, uh, that kind of sounds <laughs> something that happened in real life. Why don't we? Uh, when... No, 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 no. You can, do it, you, can, you can do it kind of like a House of Cards, where you see Leo Organa and she's whipping the votes. You know, yeah. <laughs> that one directed by David Fincher. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be tight. Cool, but and uh... we can have Trump play the emperor. <laughs> or yeah. He's not playing. Or Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. He's not playing. Secretary of State. Well, he's acted before, so it wouldn't be that much of a stretch. Home Alone Three. Home Alone. Yeah, oh, two. Home Alone Two. two. Yeah, home, home Alone Two. My bad. It home. doesn't even matter. <laughs> he was in Home Alone Three. Well, you know, I, I would, I would see that. He was in Zoolander too. Yeah. Was he in Zoolander? Yeah. Oh my Zoolander. god. Yeah, that's so, right. So, guys, uh, you know, the we're a little pressed for time right now. Um, uh, we're, you know, we had one more activity planned, but we're just gonna have to nix that. We're gonna just. Go straight into just uh, Rogue One spoiler talk. So, uh, guys, let's have at it. Hey, really quick, did, yeah. it, was it just me or <laughs> did the soundtrack for Rogue One kind of sound like night like two thousand nine Star Trek? You want to know uh, where that was? It was I know, the same it, I, know <laughs> I know it was the same guy, but it really sounded like it. Michael like Duke, a, you know. Yeah, like a lot of parts. I was like, this would fit in a Star Trek movie. Oh, uh, real Star quick, Wars. this is full on spoilers yeah, now. Spoilers, yeah, like Gene spoilers. said. Uh, specifically the part where Jin is uh, fixing up the radio tower. I was yes. like, wow, this is just Star Trek. It's right. the Star Trek soundtrack. In a good way. Yeah. It's a great soundtrack. It's a good soundtrack, yeah. but I felt like I was watching a Star Trek movie, and I was like, I'm and then other And insta- then other instances, though, it was very distinctly Star Wars-y. Right. right. Yeah. So it hopped back and forth for sure. Michael Giacchino accomplished this in four weeks. I, I, I'm not hating on him. Yeah, no, 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 no. So they like... Some of this stuff you almost have to like not grade in the curve, but be like understanding. Yeah. Almost, yeah. You know. Why not? Yeah. He, I don't know. What's up? I really want to know. My big big complaint about the movie is is how do Ponda Baba and Doctor Evasion go from Jeddah uh-huh. to the bar in Tatooine, where Ponda Baba gets his arm cut off by Ben Kenobi? Well, right. see, here's the thing. Though. So we were talking about that <laughs> What's last up night. With that? Like, so like, they, why does Walrus Man make that journey? How so what ends up happening is that they actually I mean, it's his twin brother. Well, well no. So think about it. Ponda Baba has to. They're going to beat the tent to Fort of Tatooine, and then they're going to be on. Like I don't know, man. Yeah, no, no, no. Here's Unless the thing. They were they were drinking their plan. sorrows away. See, yeah, what, because what happened? they just watched Jeddah explode. They no. needed to hit a bar, so they know that the closest bar is on Tatooine. No, but in a deleted scene, they have a cloudy with a chance of meatballs inspired escape sequence where they're hopping from debris field to debris field, just screaming their heads off, landing <laughs> in the spaceship and barely getting away. So when they're in that bar in Tatooine, it's actually quite tragic. Because they've just witnessed the desolation of an entire planet. The planet wasn't destroyed, but that thing's basically uninhabitable now, right? They just right? watched Jeddah explode. Yeah. Well, and that could be. I mean, Tatooine has to be pretty close to uh, at least Sharif because, you know, it gets there pretty quick. Like, <laughs> why exactly? I mean, they're going out of their way. They're going to see Ben Kenobi bef- before they give the plans to the rebels. Yeah. Like, uh, you would imagine that Tatooine would be on the my way. My complaint is that it, it isn't... It almost is. My complaint is that it, it it barely qualifies as a Star Wars movie because it's got all the characters. And I did and and in what I did love about it was that it was almost like a period piece, Star Wars period piece with the same sets, same costumes, Falcon. And it's not a complete Star Wars movie for me unless you find some way to get at least one. One what? 
Falcon is. It's yeah, but it, that was it happened the same time Han Solo was dumping his last shipment of spice for that pissed off. Well, then let's see it. Let's see it. Let's you see know, that was, dumping was, of the shipment. No. No, I think that, that would have been a little too much. Yeah, you know? no, especially yeah. Uh, which I think that would have been uh, it would have been interesting, especially if like you would have seen uh, <coughs> them catching up to uh, Han Solo, thinking that he had the plans or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like he was in a no, I don't see that either because well, no, he's like, totally he was, unrelated to the rebellion. No, like if he was like in a restricted area, pretty much, and like because they're on high alert because the plans just got stolen, that's the reason why he. Had I still don't want to see Han Solo in this. I don't. I didn't want to see Han Solo no. either. I think if you put him in there, you could have had just a shot of the Millennium Falcon heading to Tatooine. And everybody mm-hmm. knows what that's what that means. They could have got. Mm-hmm. I I I. Yeah, but doesn't exist in the Star Wars universe until they find him on Mos Eisley. He can't. I mean, we're gonna get an early Han Solo yeah, story, it. but in terms of the Skywalker saga, he doesn't enter that saga until, of course. There you go. They find him on Mos Eisley. I think. The, Mos Eisley. I think if anything, you should have the either the star, the Han Solo movie end with him landing on Mos Eisley or on the way or. No, see, I don't want I don't want the the standalones later. to be doing that too. Like, oh, look at how all of these movies tie directly into New Hope. Isn't that cool? It's good for this one, I think. Well, because uh, this, this one makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But I I want to see. Oh, I mean, I don't want to see a Han Solo movie. And then I look at the cast and the directors. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, now it's going to be great. Obviously. Uh, I want it to just be a standalone own thing. I don't want it to tie into. I want it to be itself. You can have fun, cute references. Just let it be its own thing. That's let true. Lord and Miller make a weird, funny, goofy space adventure movie. Yeah. I, wanna, you know? I do want to see uh, Chewie finally rip somebody's arm off. <laughs> I wa- no, I don't care about that either. I want. To, I want him to rip somebody's arm off. They deleted it out of Force Awakens. I want to see it. God damn it. <laughs> well, I'll see something else that that. Um, kind of bum me out about the movie a little bit mm-hmm. is that one of the things that if you watch, there's a, a William Friedkin movie, William Friedkin directed The Exorcist. He made mm. a film that came out the same day actually as Star Wars called Sorcerer. Oh, okay. And in the movie, Sorcerer is a remake of uh, a French filmmaker, Henri Clouseau's movie, The Wages of Fear. And basically it's about these guys that go on a suicide mission of these very, these four disparate dudes that need this, desperately need this money. And they're from all over the world. And the movie opens and you get a snippet of each one of these guys' lives before they end up going to South America to pull this job. Mm-hmm. And I really would like to have seen sequences that showed our characters, small sequences, but just to give us a taste of who these guys all were. Like intros. Before, like, when we meet Sherrod Imway, I mean, and his buddy, they're just, they're just hanging out on the city streets of Jeddah. Yeah. And they just... They just you don't you don't ever know who they are before we meet them, and in a lot of men on mission movies, they do that. They'll give you a little bit of a of a taste, like just a quick sequence. Even Jin, you see her as a little girl, and then she's chained up inside an Imperial troop transporter, prisoner transport. I would love to have seen one brief scene with her and Saw Guerrera, a teenager, when mm-hmm. she's a teenager working with Saw, so you you get a sense of what she's been doing. Yeah. Because as it stands now, you just, for all of these guys, you just take it for granted who they are. And and you don't have enough. I mean, even in Star Wars, when you see Luke, you see that he's a moisture, a little bit of a pilot. He's bored to tears. He mm-hmm. can't stand doing this job. You understand who he is. So when he gets swept up into this cause, when Amperu and Uncle Owen are slaughtered by stormtroopers, it makes sense that he does what he does. Whereas in Rogue One, you really don't get a sense of who anybody is. Yeah. And I missed that. I missed that. 
Yeah, that is like even Han true. Solo. Mm-hmm. When they, they meet Han Solo, he 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 he's he shoots all first. Braggadocio, he shoots first. He yeah. does, but he says, "What do you mean you haven't heard of the Millennium Falcon? It's the ship that made the Kessel Run in less than twelve parsecs." Exactly my right. point. We should have heard about this movie. well i mean to uh as a as a counterpoint i think we get enough of an understanding for these guys like a friend of ours last night made a good point or a good reference point to oceans 11 like you don't understand their entire backstory but you understand why they're doing what they're doing obviously oceans 11 is for money here it's for building hope in the galaxy because rogue one's pretty bleak but even but even if you use that and that's a great oceans 11 is a great example you do see all of the characters in Ocean's Eleven in their previous environment before they join up with Danny Ocean. You see Matt Damon in Chicago ripping off people in mm-hmm. in in a, in a in a train yes, car. The you brilliance get, of Ocean's Eleven is you get their backstory in thirty seconds because it's well written. Absolutely, yeah. and you see the the acrobat in the Chinese circus, and you see the two brothers in in Utah when they're racing their radio controlled car versus a real car. You you see all of these people. And it's all woven into the story. Ocean's Eleven is what I wanted Rogue One to be. Yeah. But more fatalistic and with a space battle at the end. Now, if George Clooney was in Rogue One, <laughs> that would have been a very different movie. That, that would have been a <laughs> But even that, when you see when you see Brad Pitt cold decking actors at the beginning of the movie, he's doing something unrelated to the heist that he's gonna participate in, but you get a sense of who that dude is. No, yeah, yeah, you, you are right. And uh, which I, I actually would have uh, liked to have seen, especially like let's say Jin, where uh, when she walks into Saw Gerrera's, uh room and she first meets him, and she, you for, she first like is reintroduced to him after a long time. If like it would have had, uh, like even like shadows of the of the past, where like she would have been looking in an area and she would have just been like, and she, you would have seen like a younger Jin, uh, being instructed by Saw, like hold your rifle, uh, like this or anything like that, like kind of like teaching, like kind of showing that he was a father figure to her, mm-hmm. and everything like that. Yes, kind of, indeed, absolutely. And yeah. I think that would have been that would have been really interesting too, especially when you see Saw finally die in at the very end. I mean, well, uh, when Jedha explodes, he dies. I'm assuming. There's, he's dead. He's There's dead. no yeah. way you can. Yeah, but uh, what was it? But that, but that way, you kind of felt more like there was a connection there because, like I was saying earlier, if you read Catalyst, they are uh, him and her are friends. Like they really do enjoy each other's yep. company and everything like that. Yeah. And, and that's something in which I kind of felt like they didn't get past. They just kind of um, said like, yeah, pretty much, I took care of you for you know 16 years, and then I eventually like let you go because people. You know what they never out. told us? They never told us why Jen is in jail in the beginning of the movie. Oh, I don't think that's important though. I mean, she's she's, she's like know, a, she's just a troublemaker. Like a, you know, like a freedom, or she was like you know training under Saul Guerrero and seemed like she was doing like. I uh, which uh, I actually think that she was still doing uh, that she was doing the same thing Saw was on different planets. Like she was. Oh like, well, no, 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 no. She, I, I don't think she was at all. I mean, the whole hiding. point, her her arc in the movie, um, which I I do like and I do think it could have used a little work as well, uh, is that she doesn't care. Like she even tells Saw like the Imperial flag situation. You know, it being everywhere, it yeah. doesn't matter because you know she doesn't she doesn't look up. She doesn't she doesn't see that far ahead. You know, she no, doesn't yeah. care. She doesn't care about. That's why I was wondering why people. she was in prison. I thought perhaps she was in prison because they were holding her hostage. They get her father to keep working on the Death Star. 
but that turned out to not be the case. No, yeah, because they even mentioned it too, saying that like she's using a fake name and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, she was probably just thiefing around, you know? Probably, or she was like just trying to survive or forging. It sounds like she was forging imperial documents to get through. Like that, that wasn't like the first trailer, well, right? Um, Before the reshoots, I have a little bit of weird story that it's, it's actually canon-ish. It's a, a Battlefront X-wing VR mission. Okay. Okay. Uh, you actually uh, that oh, mission yeah. is you're in an X-wing. You're part of like some little tiny rebel uh, placement, and you you have to go save this U-wing that's making some sort of transport. And uh, I forgot where they picked her up from, but they mention it. It's uh, in the mission. They don't mention her name, but they say, "Oh, we have a very special uh, passenger from whatever planet." And they're like, "Oh, over there, you you just got criminals and lowlifes or something like that." So it's just, oh, she's just some criminal who's just always getting into trouble. And so um, obviously you end up saving her because the, the, the mission is just escort the U-Wing from wherever the hell uh, they picked her up from, from that transport to uh, her joining the rebels. So, Yeah, but uh, what was it? Well, the thing is that they even mentioned it too, is that like, oh yeah, we know that you're Jitter, so the Empire didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. They even mentioned in the movie. Yeah. And uh, the one thing is that I did kind of wish that they would have gone further into depth with her mom. Because her mom is actually force sensitive and stuff like that. Like she can sense the force and she can sense like the living force. Right. But uh, I feel like that I'm okay okay with them not like divulging into because where would that have like fit into the movie that they're telling you now? That was my thing. Yeah, that's true. That's a really cool backstory and I want to read this book now. Yeah. But for the movie itself. Catalyst is really good. Oh, you read it? It's an awesome book. Yeah. It's it's really I good. It, it a lot. Yeah, it tells you it tells you a lot about these characters and like where they're at and especially how exactly you know Krennic got involved with these people and how uh, like Jen got fooled and like how he thought he was doing things. Galen, like, I mean Galen, my bad. Galen was doing things for the greater good, and he really did think that he was just making you know affordable energy for everybody. Yeah. And like and Krennic was just a dick. And also, you get a you get a bigger portion of like Krennic and Tarkin's arguments. You know the the reason why the the Death Star didn't get built for fucking twenty years. You know because they kept on delaying yeah, well, each I other. Mean, you you yeah. get enough of that in the movie itself too. Because I, I, here's the, the disagreement I have with the the character stuff too. And feel free to to bounce back at this at all. Um, is that you get enough of what you need for the the movie to tell its story. You don't know everything about them, and you. I'm not saying that you definitely couldn't use some more information on everything that happens in the movie and the characters, but you, you know enough going forward that you can develop some form of attachment to the grand spectacle of things. Because Gareth Edwards is a fantastic visual filmmaker, and he's a really good storyteller through his visuals. No, you know? yeah, he is. Um, and I, I do think sometimes his characters need a little work. But here, I think, because they all make up the rogues, as Gene coined that phrase when we first watched it, uh, they make up um, smaller parts of a larger whole. And together, uh, from everyone, from Diego Luna to Officer Krennic, I think it's a really solid cast of characters. Maybe not instantly iconic. Definitely no Han Solos in here, although I'm a big fan of uh, K2SO and Cassian. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think they are more than functional. I think they're quite good. And given the route that the story takes is that they're very minor parts in the overall galaxy story, but they're maybe the most essential part in the story. You know, they're, they're not anybody special. They're not force users. They're just people trying to do good. The one thing I did like also from this movie, is but the- I, I, I would, I would agree with you to a certain extent, but mm-hmm. the movie would have been a better, a better, more, 
a better, more resonant film that you would have felt. I think the real problem with the movie is that the first half of the film is very distancing. You're not, you don't get those little character bits, so you're not as invested in anybody as you should be. And it isn't until the second half of the film that you really are invested when it literally, literally and figuratively starts to take off. Whereas like K2SO was an Imperial droid that was reprogrammed. That's a big deal. I would love to have seen the moment where K2SO became one of the rebellion. You know, as in one of those Ocean's Eleven flashback scenes, there could have been a great quick little bit where he relates that story to Jenny. He goes, well, you know, I used to be, I used to be that guy, but I became this guy when this happened. And you could have, you know, yeah. then you would be like, oh, that's interesting. Right. Because that's what makes a movie like Ocean's Eleven so interesting is that you, 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 it's woven into the plot who these people are and it becomes fun. And when you meet like Scott Kahn and Casey Affleck in, in Ocean's Eleven, and you see what goofy competitive brothers they are simply because you've seen that one little scene where one of them is racing the other with a radio controlled replica of his own real truck. <laughs> and that, yeah. that, lasts, that lasts for seconds, but it tells you everything you need to know about those two characters. And it yeah. works for the rest of the movie. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think uh, which uh, I think the it would have been a lot easier uh, that in a lot of things that could have been explained if there was a crawl. Honestly, yeah. I think a crawl could have explained a lot of stuff very quickly in a, in about three paragraphs and just told you this is what's going on. This is this is who Galen Urso is. This is who Krennic is. This is who everybody else is. And this is what's going. And this is what yeah. the situation is. And this is the mission we're going on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think maybe more exposition, but I don't know about a crawl like because. Uh, the crawl, I think, is the opening crawl is just for the Skywalkers, so I mean that's how they defended it. That's that's how they defend it and everything and everything else. But I think that you can also make a just a case saying that it's a Star Wars movie. That's right. that's which I, it goes with Star Wars movies, and not only that, but also the crawl is perfect just because it tells you what you're jumping straight into. When you read the crawl, you know exactly what the situation is. You know exactly the uh, you don't exactly know the characters that you're going to be dealing with immediately, but you know what's going on and how everybody is feeling. You know, uh, you know that I totally, I totally agree with you. The word Star Wars should come right after a long, long time in the galaxy far, far away. Mm -hmm. You've got to have the symphonic hit and then you have to see the word Star Wars. Yeah, I agree. And then, and then suddenly having the word Star Wars come in almost six or seven minutes into the movie definitely took me out of the movie for that moment. I, I didn't want to go back to that card. I wanted to keep moving with the plot. Yeah, and the other the other problem I have with the movie was in the first twenty five minutes, you were introduced to a whole bunch of new planets, and then the new cities within each planet. And I was having, and some of my kids were having real difficulty keeping up with the names of people, and uh, yeah. that made the the first act very confusing. For me. Actually, yeah, I was uh, I was I was saying that the uh, I was uh, I, when you kind of go over the names. Mm -hmm. I love the movie. Yeah. I don't remember everybody's name right. that was it's on like the team. Pi Imperial pilot. Uh, yeah, you know, like their Donnie job. Yeah, yeah, I know I Donnie. Like I know yeah. Donnie. I don't know Donnie Yen's character. I don't know his character name yeah. because, like, in the very, there's a lot of characters. Well, not only that, but also their hardcore made-up names. <laughs> Whereas, like Luke Skywalker, that those are just two words that we already know and they're put together. And everything like that. Han Solo, you know, another two words that we already know. Fucking Maze something. Like, it, it, they were really made up names, and they only said the names a couple of times. Like, they didn't, like, go into depth on, like, this person is this person and yeah. stuff like that. So, I mean, that was, a that was like, another thing I had a problem with. But besides that, I mean, 
Yeah. Movie's awesome. Couldn't complain too much. Yeah. I yeah, mean, uh, we got we got to start winding down the show a little bit right now. So, um, many, so many Easter eggs, though. But uh, I also want to just across the board. I think we all feel pretty good about the third act. Like, yeah, that was like as a whole. Past, I mean, like, uh, yeah. you guys mentioned that maybe the last yeah. couple minutes uh, left you with more questions than uh, satisfaction. But like, I really like Gareth Edwards. I know Gene and I very much disagree on his Godzilla movie. Uh, I like, yeah, um, I like parts but of I think, man, this guy, what he brought to Star Wars, especially like in terms of the battles. Not in space, on land, in the air, just like all over the place. He's he a really good he job. really, yeah, he really nailed that. I and thought. I think uh, which uh, he also really nailed that Darth Vader, uh, la- that final Darth Vader scene of going down the hallway. You know, it, the it, stuff uh, of it, nightmares. It, it felt like a horror film. Yeah, it honestly did. It felt like he was that J- was a cool. Like he was Jason Voorhees uh, just I don't walking think down. We've ever seen like Vader, well, full blown Vader, you know, in the costume, like just unleash like that. Uh, outside of the comics, no. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, comics. I mean, in in the comics, there's an entire scene where uh, Invader Down, where he's uh, where rebels have surrounded him and he's in a crashed Tie Fighter, and they they just basically tell him like, you know, surrender or else you're gonna die. And he goes, yeah, uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna surrender. You guys are all gonna die. And like, he just starts murdering a bunch of rebels. <laughs> it's it's really fucked up. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the movie is really good. Cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, even if we all hated it, it's Star Wars, so it's going to make a billion dollars. Right. Yeah. You know, like, I think it's going to take yeah. a lot one day for a Star Wars movie to not make a billion dollars. Right. It totally is going to make that. I was actually really happy that there was a lot of uh, Rebel stuff that was inside of the movie. Like, uh, I was I was really happy about that. Huh? From the TV show? From the TV show. Because yeah, uh, Chopper, Chopper's inside of uh, I, uh, in the base. You see him in the background. You see him in the background, and also they mention uh, General Sandula, yeah. uh, Captain Sandula. And Sandula. I was going to say, you see the ghost. And you see the ghost yeah. like eight times. I that should totally cool. catch up on this show. And the Hammerhead Corvette, but those are from Clone Wars. What's that? Right? The Hammerhead Corvette. Oh, yeah, those were right. they were in, they were in Clone Wars, right? Yeah. Uh, which are they used yeah, inside Clone the Wars. inside the anime, uh, inside the cartoon. That's and that was like the really cool payoff for me is that I've been keeping up. I kept up with Clone Wars, Rebels, and also the novels. So it was kind of like really good payoffs that were kind of like okay, cool, like nice little additions. It doesn't it doesn't hurt if you don't know what they are, but it really is cool when you know what it is. Cool. Uh, on that note, we're gonna end the show right now. Rob, Josh. Where can the people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BurnettRM or on Instagram at RMBurnett or on Facebook at Robert Meyer Burnett and watch me on Collider Heroes every Tuesday. Cool. And you can just find me on Facebook. Uh, my Twitter handle also is AMTimeBomb. Awesome. Uh, which uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, just type in Nick Valero and also Nick Valero at 1940 uh, for Twitter. You can play with me on PlayStation, The Rinsler. I don't yeah. keep up with any of my other that social stuff. That inappropriate. So. <laughs> Damn it, Kirk. <laughs> uh, Renee, sound engineer Renee, where can people find you? They can find me at, at Instagram and uh, Snapchat at Renee G. Bravo. Cool. And, uh, Gene. You can find me on Twitter, uh, Instagram, all around Gene9892. All right, and Diego Waffles on Twitter, Waffle Press. Uh, Real Film Chatter, audienceseverywhere.net. Links down below in the YouTube description. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks a lot. We've been professionally unprofessional. Are you with me? All the way.